First of all, we are not an energy supplier. We're the agent of the customer. That is a combination of finding savings opportunities and also finding ways for them to use clean energy. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Downhauer. Today we're talking about tapping into renewable energy markets beyond what your average utility can provide. Last week, we met a guest who has been providing a renewable energy-only option in deregulated markets. That company was a retail electric provider, one of many that customers in states like New York or Texas can choose from. My guest today says they have an option if you don't live in one of these markets, places I've lived like Louisiana and North Carolina. They offer an option whereby your bill is sent directly to them. They find renewable energy projects, purchase renewable energy credits, or RECs, and claim they can also lower your bill in the process. I've admitted in the past when I did not fully grasp a concept. Most famously, you'll remember I had to call back the flywheel storage guest in episode 43 to help explain that concept in the monologue. Now, I could simply write around what I didn't understand about renewable energy credits and wholesale markets for this episode, but I've now run two back-to-back episodes on this topic, and I really wanted to fully understand how this works. So here's what I found out. First, my biggest hang-up concerned the concept of renewable energy credits, which you can purchase independently of power produced from solar or wind farms. My guess is a megawatt of power is typically not the same price as a megawatt rec. From the look of it, recs are a little cheaper. Splitting recs from their power produced is also good for wholesale power buyers who just want to buy the power and not get the credit of the wreck. I didn't know who prices wrecks. My guest last week said they were independently verified once they're purchased, but this week's guest adds that there is no organized global or national wreck market. Instead, they build relationships with individual solar and wind farms. Wreck prices also fluctuate with demand. I was also curious about this week's guest claim that they can offer up to 100% renewable energy plans and purchase wrecks and provide cheaper bills. They say they actively search for utility saving programs programs in their respective areas, such as smart rate programs to help offset those costs. And finally, I was curious how a company operating outside my state knows how much renewable energy is on my grid, say here in solar-rich North Carolina. I know I don't need 100% offsets, so I was told if, for instance, 15% of my electricity came from renewable energy, they would purchase the RECs for the other 85%. It's a fascinating concept, aggregating the entire country to help boost renewable projects and consumption, as well as work in a symbiotic fashion with our existing electric utilities. My guest today is Joel Gamerin, Director of Product Operations and Energy Services for Arcadia Power, an energy marketplace that helps plug its customers into clean energy projects. Unlike last week's guest, Arcadia is not a retail electric provider. Rather, they consider themselves an agent of the market. Arcadia is based in Washington, D.C. and has been around since 2014. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Joel Gamerin. here with Joel Gamerin, Director of Product Operations and Energy Services for Arcadia Power. And Joel, 
we turn on the lights in our homes and the power comes really from whatever supplies the grid. So how do you designate that a home using your service is using renewable energy? Yeah, so the analogy I like to use is imagine that you're pouring a bottle of clean water into a dirty lake. You can't tell exactly where those clean water particles are flowing, but we know we've added that clean water to the lake. The electricity grid is similar. We have a lot of different resources that are producing energy and putting that into the grid. The industry has developed this standard called a renewable energy certificate, and we track from the production of renewable energy from a wind farm, a solar farm, or other clean sources of power. We can track exactly how much energy is being produced and who is responsible for creating it. Joel, I lived in Texas where you got to choose who your retail electric provider was. Now I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's only one choice. But you say I can use your service even in a regulated market like mine. How does that work? Yeah, so we're all living under the same atmosphere and reducing carbon emissions is a goal that applies regardless of what state you're living in. And it's something that you can do regardless of who your utility is or whether or not you have choice in terms of who's providing your power. So what we can do is we can go around the country nationally and support wind and solar farms. And you can do that through our platform no matter where you live. You can connect your utility account to Arcadia Power. We'll go out and we'll find wind and solar farms that you can support through your local utility bill. One note I would make is that we do have a feature called Smart Rate that is only available in those competitive energy markets. But even in a closed energy market like North Carolina, you can sign up with us, get 50% of your energy matched to wind farms at no cost. Those wind farms will be located throughout the United States, but you can still support them through your North Carolina bill. And how does this impact the utility I'm currently paying my bill to? There are actually a number of ways that it will help the utility. Giving customers a better experience, providing more services that they want, more personalized insights about their energy use and ways to support clean energy is something that we see huge demand for and can make customers happier. Second, with our platform, customers can pay their bills with a credit card and earn reward points. Again, that's something that makes customers happier. It also is a good way to ensure on-time, quick bill payment for the utility. And then we also work with customers to deploy smart home devices that can help them use the grid more efficiently, using power at times when it's less taxing on the grid. And ultimately, I think utility business models are already changing away from simply getting paid more for selling more power. Many states have energy efficiency programs and many states have renewable energy requirements. And so we can really be a solution for the utility in evolving those business models to things that make more sense for the planet and for the grid overall. Well, speaking of current utilities in Carolina, Duke Energy, for instance, you may know North Carolina has a lot of renewables on their system. We probably have more solar than just about any other state except for, I think, California. Does that hurt them? I'm trying to get a better idea about where the money's going. Yeah, so what we're doing is actually above and beyond the utility own renewable goals or requirements. We're not hurting the utility in any way. We're just enabling more individual customers to find ways to support renewable energy above and beyond what their state policy may be or what their local utility may be doing. And I lived in Austin <laughs> and got to know some folks over at Green Mountain Energy who were some of the first retail electric providers to pitch customers purchasing clean energy, renewable energy. How is your model different from that? First of all, we are not an energy supplier. We're the agent of the customer. Our job is to be monitoring the market, evaluating customer data, and comparing across all the different energy companies out there, finding the best option 
for our customers. That is a combination of finding savings opportunities and also finding ways for them to use clean energy. I would say the one other thing that's unique and different about us is we're actually aggregating up customers across different utility territories to prove out the demand for new renewables to be built. We have great examples of this in states like New York and Illinois and Rhode Island and Massachusetts and Maryland where our customer base has actually come together to get new community solar projects built through our platform by demonstrating that demand. You spoke about this a little earlier, deregulated markets where you have competitive retail providers. I remember with retail electric providers in Texas, you could choose plans that guaranteed electric rates, at least for a year or two. Others would float a little bit. Usually those are the ones where you could kind of roll the dice, right? See if you could possibly get a lower rate. Of course, it could also go up. But how does your plan fit? Do the customers pay a fixed price per kilowatt? Take us through that, how that's different. Yeah, I think this is another area where we are really simple things for the customer. <laughs> going through that experience living in Texas, it was probably pretty hard to know whether you're comparing apples to apples. It was probably pretty hard to make that decision. We really take on that problem solving for the customer. We have a few different rate plans that we'll provide and we'll basically be picking whatever we think is best for the customer and those can vary between a fixed rate based on all the data that we have in the market is gonna be lower than what the customer otherwise would have paid. But at a minimum, it's not gonna change. Or we also have index rates where the rate might be changing every month, but it's always going to be lower than what the utility price is offered. From that sense, it's guaranteeing savings. And going back to those markets where community solar is available, that's another example of where it's a guaranteed savings below the utility rate. Sure. Joe, help us understand this a little bit better. You talk about prices being indexed. What would affect rates rising and falling? I'll take a wild guess. I assume if renewables had a bad month and they had to be offset with something like natural gas, that might affect them. What are some of the external variables that affect rates? Yeah, so it's actually much less to do with renewables and seasonality. Renewables are a fairly mature industry at this point. Although in a given month, renewable energy generation could be higher or lower, it's very predictable over the course of a year or multiple years. And so our pricing is already accounting for that. Really, it's kind of external factors. The way that wholesale power markets prices are set, it's kind of based on the whole array of resources that are going to be providing power in that market, whether it's clean energy or natural gas or other factors. That index that I'm talking about is we guarantee our price will be lower than what the customer would otherwise have paid the utility. And that's just based on how the utility sets their prices. Okay, so that's very interesting. It's not indexed to what renewables are or are not doing at any given point. You are taking historical data and going, gas will come on, there will be intermittency. We've already baked that into the price. Is that what you're saying? That's how we know what our cost can be and how we know what price we can offer. The index is when we compare it to will the customer save or not, when we compare it to what will the utility charge that customer. And we usually know that up to a year in advance because the utility is publishing that schedule of what the rate will be. And then we can go out and say, based on the data we have, we know we can charge the customer a lower rate than that. Yeah. Tell us about prices. Are they going down? I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who was talking about how the installed price of solar is going down. He thinks that it may reach 50 cents a watt at some point. It's about a dollar a watt now. What is affecting rates for solar? How do you price in solar costs and renewable costs and things like that? There are many factors that affect utility prices beyond just the installed costs. There's also, you have to think about 
how expensive is it to actually get the power to the customer that needs it. So transmission infrastructure and distribution costs definitely play a big role. Generally, the way wholesale markets work is it's kind of an auction system where you're bidding in your price and the market will clear where supply and demand intersect. And so there's kind of a market price for electricity that changes on an hourly basis, but is kind of based on a mix of all the resources that are going into the grid at that particular area. Mm -hmm. But how about renewables? All things considered the same. Should we think of those prices as falling? How should we think about them? Yeah, I mean, renewables, definitely the cost to develop renewable resources is falling over time. In turn, that is definitely putting downward pressure on energy prices overall because you don't have any fuel costs or really variable costs. Your main cost is just building the project. Your site only mentions wind and solar, and I believe Green Mountain's the same too, but there's also other energy sources that people would consider renewable. Hydro, geothermal. I'm big on geothermal. I've spoken to Department of Energy about the potential to expand that resource. Is there a hard company line against those, or is it still early days? You could offer a hydro option. Yeah, we're supportive of anything that's going to get us to 100% clean energy future. Today, the biggest impact we can have is through supporting wind and solar. Together, wind and solar are accounting for about 40% of all new power capacity getting built in the U.S. They're far larger than any other new source of clean energy today. And so that's why those are the resources we're focused on right now. Okay, and I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What about nuclear? It's carbon free, right? And there's a lot of deregulated markets where I've had guests on who've talked about how those plants are kind of left hanging. What about a carbon free nuclear option for people who like that? I think existing nuclear power is definitely part of the solution for carbon-free energy. Our mandate at Arcadia Power is to see a power grid that runs solely on clean energy. I think new nuclear, just for purely economic reasons, is probably less likely to be a part of the solution than wind and solar and potentially other technologies to come. Okay. I probably talk more about storage with regard to renewables because I don't believe you can have any large percentage of renewables on the grid without a good storage solution. Is there a way that your customers could support those kinds of projects? Pumped hydro, lithium ion battery banks, stuff like that. Is that an option? Yeah, absolutely there will be. There are tons of benefits to storage. It complements renewable energy generation very well. It can also help operate the grid more efficiently. There absolutely will be ways for our members to support storage projects. We're looking a lot into storage and we'll be rolling out ways in the future for people to support it, either through installation at their own home or storage being built remotely on the local power grid. they would also be able to benefit from. And you were also saying earlier, and this is something a little bit different, that it seems to me that when you pay your bill to Arcadia, you're basically funding new projects. Am I right? You're not just supporting the projects that are already out there. Is that what the model is at its heart? Yes, ultimately by demonstrating demand for clean energy, We are helping to fuel the growth of clean energy projects, and that includes new projects being developed. Some of our programs, you have a very direct line where you can point to, I am specifically responsible for this project being built. That's the clearest with our community solar program, where our members are connected to specific solar projects, and they can even track the production of those projects over time. But I think even more broadly, looking at the wind energy program that we offer nationally, including in Texas and North Carolina that you mentioned, by aggregating this demand for clean energy among our customer base and kind of proving that out, showing that to renewable energy developers, certainly we are helping to drive more investment in clean energy into the future. Gotcha. I asked about nuclear and everything because it's carbon free, and you say clean energy, renewable energy kind of interchangeably. So 
So help us drill down a little bit more on this mandate. Is it to have renewable energy or clean energy? <laughs> I would say our mandate is creating a power grid that runs on clean energy. I think the fastest way and most impactful way for us to do that today is by connecting our members to renewable energy from wind and solar projects. I think that's the most environmentally friendly way to get there and the most economically feasible way for us to get there today. All right, Joel, I'm going to finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas. Critical for short-term carbon reductions, but entrenches us in fossil fuel generation. So I would be cautious uh, in how much we invest there going forward. Crude oil. Electric vehicles are growing really fast, so hopefully it will be diminishing component of our transportation emissions. Talk to about this a little bit nuclear. Existing nuclear, definitely an important part of the solution. Not optimistic about new nuclear being economical. Coal. Economic forces are largely driving it out of the market. What about coal with carbon capture? I'm very skeptical of both the technology and economics there. Wind. Huge and increasing potential, great resource, especially in Texas, Midwest, Great Plains, Appalachia. You've got some interesting things happening with offshore wind on the east coast of the U.S. as well. Solar. Huge part of the clean energy future, particularly helpful because the sun often shines during peak demand, you know, when people are running those AC units in the summer. Biofuels. Frankly, don't know much about it. <laughs> um, definitely interesting. Will be something to keep our eye on. Hydroelectric important component of the baseload clean energy that we're able to produce, not really a growing sector. Geothermal. Amazing potential, a lot of infrastructure required. I've toured geothermal plants in Iceland, which is kind of a great example of how it can be deployed, and I hope we work on it here in the U.S. Talked about this also, energy storage. Costs coming down really fast, complements electric vehicles really well. Huge potential there to help us move to 100% clean energy. Electric vehicles? growing fast, something like 50% year over year. And there's interesting potential also for vehicle to grid applications to help the grid work more efficiently as well. Energy efficiency. The cheapest and cleanest electron is the one that's not needed. Will continue to be an important part of our clean energy future. And the government's Energy Star program has actually been a huge part of power demand not running away, increasing over the years. And then finally, this would definitely be clean energy fusion power. Yeah, we're way out of my depth there. I probably need to go back and get a physics degree to talk about that one. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, Joel Gameron, Arcadia Power, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jay. It was a pleasure. That was Joel Gameron, Director of Product Operations and Energy Services for Arcadia Power, a DC-based energy market for electric customers. I want to thank Joel for his time, as well as Natalie Risk at Arcadia for help with some of my follow-up questions. Did you learn something? I sure did. And I also want to thank Kat Crandall at Berlin Rosen in New York for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures on energy-cast.com, as well as on Instagram at Host Energy. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 72. Be sure to join us next week when we speak to a German company that has plans to use wind energy to make the whole ocean one big clean battery. Until then, I'm Jay Downhower. We'll see you next time.